0: Our scripture reading for today comes to us from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 19 to 21. Hear now the reading of God's word. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. And Father, now we come before you asking for your grace and mercy to be upon us as we once again sit at your feet. Oh, Father, you know that these past few weeks, this past month, has been a true challenge to our patients, to our souls, to our minds. And in many ways, it has caused us to lose the grip of our own character at times, lashing out, being filled with such frustration. And so, Lord, we pray that in the midst of all of the chaos that is invading into our hearts, that you would once again speak your words of life so that we can sigh a breath of release and relief and come before you calm and ready once again to be in your presence and therefore ready to go out into the world as your people. Father, we ask that even though we are confined, that we would nevertheless live out the freedom we have in Jesus Christ, a living, a calling of holiness and blessedness to the people around us. We ask that you would bless this message in spite of the one who brings it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. COVID-19. As you hear that word coming out of my mouth, I'd imagine that you, like many, react very negatively. And because that is so, you, like everyone else, are yearning for the day where you will never hear that word ever again. Why? Because that word represents all that is disrupting your life, my life, everyone's life right now. Whether you're talking about the disruption of sudden unemployment, or the disruption of having to stay up late at night to catch up on work because you're so busy during the day taking care of your kids, trying to educate them, or sadly... Even the disruption of having to say goodbye to someone you dearly love who has succumbed to this virus. And what makes it even more heart-wrenching, you were not able to be by their side when they passed because of the quarantine that the hospitals are enforcing. This virus is responsible for the massive disruption that has robbed all of us of any sense of control and therefore any sense of peace. And so what are we left to do? We stay home. We shelter in place. Because after all, everyone tells us that's the safest place to be, right? Home is the best place to be because it's the safest place to be. But is it? You know, one of the most tragic and unforeseeable consequences that COVID has brought into our scene is the sudden rise of domestic violence all across the world. News outlets all over the globe have been talking about the sudden surge of violence against women and children as countries everywhere are locking down on this stay-at-home order. Just a couple weeks ago, Uh, The uh, newspaper, The Guardian, reported about how during this time that we're in, there was a 700% increase of calls for help at its leading charity in England that deals with domestic violence. 700%, not 70 but 700%. That is utterly shocking. That is utterly surprising. And yet, it shouldn't be at least for those of you who are students of Scripture, because one of the things that the Bible tells us over and over again is that you and I live in a world filled with people who have anger problems. Anger problems. And of course, you don't have to be a student of Scripture to agree with what the Bible says, because even our own secular institutions say the very same thing. Back in 2013, USA Today reported on an interesting study that was done by a think tank where they wanted to know what emotion was the most pervasive out there on the internet. And do you guys know which emotion won by a landslide? That's right. It's anger. Anger. In other words, all of the Instagram feeds, all the Twitter feeds, all the YouTube comments, Facebook comments, all predominantly had anger being expressed by the users. And a couple years before that, this study happened, there was a local news outlet down in St. Louis that came out with an article entitled, Anger in America, Why People Are More Angry Now. Take a listen to how this article begins. It starts saying this, quote, road rage, girl fights, and vandalism. We can go on and on about what people do when they get angry. In today's society, it seems like more and more people are lashing out let's face it we all get frustrated from time to time and see everyday people flying off the handle at the drop of a hat is it the economy bad drivers how about the recent government shutdown at times it feels like we're living in an angry society and quote it turns out that anger has been with us way before the coronavirus arrived on the scene which means which means even when this virus eventually leaves us sadly anger won't it's still going to be here why because you struggle with anger i struggle with anger we all struggle with anger that leads to atrocious things like domestic violence and so the question is as followers of jesus how do we address this problem so that not only can we overcome it but we can also positively influence others around us so that they can overcome it well well that's the question that we're gonna answer as we take a look at our passage in James chapter 1 and as we do we're gonna see three things when it comes to the problem of anger and here they are first we're gonna talk about the first common reason for the problem of anger then we're gonna talk about the second common reason for the problem of anger and then we're gonna end it with the only solution to the problem of anger okay those are the three points we're looking at let's begin with the first which is the first common reason for the problem of anger. So here in our passage, the Apostle James tells us there are two common reasons as to why anger is such a problem for us. And he talks about the first in verse 19. So let's read it again together where he writes this, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Now, When you first read this verse, you can easily misinterpret what James is saying because on the surface level, it almost seems as if to say that as a Christian, you should never get angry. As if there's something inherently un-Christian to lose your temper or to get agitated to the point of frustration or maybe even fury, okay? But if you read carefully to what James writes, that isn't what he says at all. Listen again to what he says. He says, be slow to anger. He doesn't say never get angry, but be slow to anger. Now, why is that such an important distinction to make? Because there is something that we as followers of Jesus need to understand that many of us don't. And that is anger is not always wrong. Anger is not always evil. Anger is not always unrighteous. In fact, just the opposite. There are moments, there are situations, there are circumstances where it's very appropriate and therefore very righteous to be angry to where if you did not get angry about it, you would be in the wrong, you would be unrighteous, you would be evil. But here's the thing. The only way you can ensure that your anger doesn't become the wrong kind of anger is if you follow the wise advice that James tells us here in this verse. He says it in that interesting phrase, be slow to, what does he say? He says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. Slow to speak and quick to listen. Now, what does he mean by that? Well, let me see if I can explain. Think back in your life at a time when you were slow to speak and quick to listen. Can you think a time in your biography, in your history, where you did that kind of behavior? How about when you were in school? Do you guys remember where you sat at your chair and your teacher, your professor, your instructor was standing and he or she was teaching you, lecturing you, giving you the lesson of the day. And were you talking, blabbering away? No, you were to shut your mouth and you were to be quick in your ears as far as listening to what they were saying. And you did not open your mouth. You were very slow to speak until it was appropriate for you to speak. You see, this phrase that James is using is referencing a situation where you are learning something. And what is the assumption of a person when they're learning something? Isn't it that they don't know everything? Isn't it that that they are missing vital information that they need to grasp that they currently do not possess? Hence, they are quiet and instead listening. Yes, and that's what James is trying to convey. When he uses this interesting expression of being slow to speak and quick to listen, what he's essentially saying is basically this. uh, Guys, you don't know everything. Or maybe a better way to put it, you're not as smart as you think you are. Now, you hear that and you're probably wondering, what does any of this have to do with anger? Well, friends, it has everything to do with anger. Because think about it. What is one of the underlying assumptions that we have when we're in a moment of fury and wrath? Isn't it this assumption that we know everything there is to know about a given situation and a given person that is so upsetting to us? You know, we think we know why a person is the way they are or what motives they have or what they're scheming. And because we're so confident in our knowledge, because we think we know everything there is to know about this person, we feel so justified, we feel so warranted in just lashing out and letting them have it in all of our fury. And it's because of this assumption, James says, no, wait guys, be slow to speak and be quick to listen. Don't assume that you know everything. Don't think you know it all because if you do, you might just end up like a fool. There was a story I once heard many years ago about a Navy captain long ago doing night maneuvers, right, out in the Pacific when without warning his officer of the watch yelled out to him, Captain, there's a light off of our starboard bow, to which the captain quickly responded, is the light moving? Or is it still? To which his officer replied, It's still, sir. Which in the captain's mind meant only one thing. They were in a collision course against another ship. To which, therefore, he quickly said to the uh, watcher, Watcher, send this light signal to the other vessel. Vessel, attention. We are on a collision course. Change your heading by 20 degrees. To which... A response came back from the other side that went like this, negative. Please change your heading by 20 degrees. Well, it's at this point that the captain got quite angry. And he said, who in the world does this person think he is giving me the orders? I'm the captain. I'm the one in charge. And so he quickly told the watcher to send this message in response. I am a captain. Change your course 20 degrees. To which he got the following reply. I am a seaman second class, sir. Please change your heading by 20 degrees. Now it was at this point that the captain just really flew off the handle, and in a moment of ice-cold conviction, he gave this final warning to that other side. I am a battleship armed with the heaviest artillery in the U.S. Navy. Change your course 20 degrees now. To which the captain finally got the response. I am a lighthouse captain. Please, sir, change your heading by 20 degrees. Have you ever gotten so angry, but then later on felt so stupid about it? And why were you feeling so stupid? Because you come to discover that all the things that you were so sure of that made you felt so justified in getting angry at a situation or as a person turned out to be absolutely off. You were completely wrong because you made some uncharitable very critical assumptions about a situation or most likely a person and then you come to discover that this person wasn't who you thought they were or they were in a situation that you could understand why they were the way they were and as a result you feel so foolish and here's the thing this could have been so avoided this could have been something that you could have not fallen into if you simply heeded the advice of what james is imploring us here that we are to be quick to listen and slow to speak and yet so often we don't do that we do just the opposite we are quick to speak and we are slow to listen and that my friends is the first common reason why anger is such a problem for us we act as if we know everything when in reality we know nothing we are quick to speak and slow to listen when in fact we should do the opposite we should be slow to speak and we should be quick to listen Now let's move on to my next point, which is the second common reason. For our problem with anger. Read again verse 21 of our passage where James writes as follows. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. And receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Now I'm going to talk later about what he means by that phrase implanted word. But I want to draw your attention to what he says results from this implanted word. Which he says at the end of verse 21. What does it do? It saves your souls. Now what an intriguing expression. So intriguing to where we can't help but to ask, what's that about? Well, let me explain. It would be helpful to know that James, who is the author of this letter that we're writing to, is none other than the Apostle James, which is the half brother of jesus christ yeah he is the younger brother of jesus you see after mary had jesus later on with her husband joseph she had many other kids who were the half siblings of jesus christ one of which happened to be james the apostle james not the one who was part of the original 12 but later on the apostle james okay and one of the things that Uh, You would imagine is the case is that as a younger brother James was exposed to the innumerable teachings of his older brother That's recorded for us in the Gospels the four Gospels and this expression save your souls according to New Testament scholars happens to be a reference to one of the teachings of Jesus Christ which is found for us according to them in Mark Chapter 8 verse 36 listen to what Jesus says there Okay And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? New Testament scholars tell us that James, as he's writing our verse here, is thinking of this particular teaching of Jesus Christ, where Jesus is warning us of the consequences of living only for this world. And what does he say is the consequence? You lose your soul. And so here's the question. Why? is this teaching of Christ going through the mind of James as he's trying to teach us about how to deal with our problem with anger. Well, believe it or not, James is actually trying to teach us the second common reason for our problem with anger. And so let me show you what that is, okay? One of the main principles that Jesus is teaching us here in Mark 8, uh, 36, is that we need to remember that this life, includes more than just this world that we're living in. There's more to this life than the current life you're living in this present reality. You see, there is another world that exists, a world that is coming for those who are followers of Jesus, a place that is so much better, much more blessed than this place, you know, the place that makes us so currently angry and frustrated. Well, this other world is nothing like that. It is so much better, and in fact, because it's so much better, we should work hard to never forfeit or give up on it by chasing after all the best things or best experience that this world has to offer, right? Right? And this is what James wants us to be reminded of as we deal with our anger. Why? Well, what is one of the most recurring thoughts going through your head as you're in a moment of anger? Isn't it a thought that goes something like this? This person who I'm mad at right now, they need to be punished right now. I need payback for what this person did to me, not later, not someday someday later on, but right here, right now, I need to get justice for me, right here, right now. That's one of the prevailing thoughts going through our minds that energizes us to follow through on our anger, which in most cases we later regret. Why? Well, as weird as what I'm about to say may sound, it is nevertheless true problematic anger is fueled by a particular fear. And you know what that fear is? It's the fear that the person who wronged you is going to get away with it. That they're never going to answer for the wrong they've done to you. And so you feel this impulse to act out at the present moment. Because your demand of justice in your mind is going to expire unless you do act on it right then, right now. That's the fear that drives us and therefore justifies us to lash out in anger. But James says, hold on, wait, wait. Remember the salvation of your souls. Because when you remember the salvation of your souls, you also remember the world to which you were saved into. This better world where all that is wrong is going to be made right. All that was taken will be given back to you. All that was broken will be restored. And all of that includes, obviously, the promise that God will get you justice. In fact, more so, He will get vengeance for you. And He will get perfect vengeance. That is, not overboard and not undercutting, but perfect, righteous, balanced vengeance. In fact... The Apostle Paul repeats what James is saying here in Romans chapter 12. Consider what he says there. Starting in verse 17, we read, Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God, for the Scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Now, putting everything with what I just said to you together, what does all this mean? It means that the second common reason why you have a problem with anger is because you don't have faith. You don't functionally believe in this idea, this promise of another world coming where God is going to come and usher in perfect justice to where it will involve making sure that you get true righteous vengeance. And because you don't have faith in this other world that is just as real, if not more real, than the one that you're currently living in, you lash out in anger. And you express it in such unrighteous way. Even anger that is justified, even anger that is appropriate, quickly morphs into something that is no longer that. For consider again what he says in verse 21. He says, anger that can start off as righteous eventually, if you have no faith in this other world, will quickly become what? Filthy and filled with rampant wickedness. Why? All because we don't have faith. We don't trust that there is another world coming where everything wrong now will be made right perfectly. Consider these words from theologian Dan Allender when he writes this. Quote, unrighteous anger is a dark energy that demands for the self a more tolerable world now. Instead of waiting for God's redemption according to divine design and timing, unrighteous anger refuses to turn to God with our deepest questions. Are you just? Are you going to let the wicked win? Are you going to let them violate me with no justice in sight? In the midst of helpless confusion and hurt, unrighteous anger refuses to surrender and to wait on God. So there you have it. The second common reason why we have such a problem with anger. We refuse to wait on God because we have no faith in this other real world where God will make things right for us, thereby alleviating our need to get justice now. Now, with all this said, we're left with the question. Is there a solution to these two reasons that cause anger? to be such a huge problem for us and those around us. James says, yes, there is. And to tell you, let's go to the final point for today, the only solution to the problem of anger. Let's read again our entire passage, but this time let's pay careful attention to what James says in verse 20 and 21. We read, know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls now James identifies for us one solution to these two reasons that cause anger to be such a problem for us he refers to it as the implanted word now what in the world is that expression about what is that referring to We'll consider these words from New Testament scholar Dan McCarthy because he gives a perfect clear definition of that expression when he writes this, quote, To receive the word means both to believe the gospel and to act on it, these ultimately being the same thing. The word that is to be received is implanted, a word that is unique to James in the New Testament. In Greek literature, generally, it typically means inborn, natural, but if it is inborn, it cannot be received. Therefore, the implanted word is not the innate reason of the Stoics, but the gospel, which has taken root in the believer's life, but needs constantly to be listened to, believed and acted upon." End quote. So from this insight, we realize the implanted word is referring to the gospel. That is what James is saying is the only solution to our problem with anger. We must constantly revisit, relearn, remember the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. Now, what is the gospel? The gospel is the good news that says God had every right to be quick to speak and slow to listen. In other words, God had every right to unleash his full fury and anger. Why? Because God, unlike you, unlike me, He's perfect. He knows everything and He knows everyone perfectly. There is no knowledge that He does not already know. And that includes His knowledge of you. He knows everything there is to know about you, including the things that you don't know, or maybe a better way to put it, the things that you don't want to believe about you are true. The things that you don't want to know about yourself, namely that you are a wretched, wicked, selfish, sinister, perverted sinner. okay, And because that is who you are, God had every right to immediately, right here, right now, disintegrate you in his furious wrath. But he didn't. Why? Because the gospel goes on to say that God wanted to be slow in his anger he wanted to wait he wanted to make sure that his anger didn't come upon you right here right now why read what the apostle peter tells us as the answer to that question in second peter chapter 3 verses 7 to 9 It starts off, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises, as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. The gospel tells us that even though God had every right, to quickly, immediately, right away, unleash His anger upon you because of your sins? He did it. He waited. Why? So that in this waiting period, you would hear how much He loves you in Jesus Christ, that you would understand that you are loved by Him in a way that is so undeserving, that it would elicit a a reaction that makes you feel repentant that makes you recognize who you are, to where you want to confess your sins and love this God who loves you so amazingly, so undeservingly. And when you have this love come upon you to where it creates that desire towards God, it changes how you view yourself in relation to the people that you're angry at. What do I mean by that? Well, let me quickly explain. You know, one of the things that go through our minds as we are so angry at a person is that we see that person as the ultimate perpetrator and we see ourselves as the ultimate innocent victim. We see ourselves as the greatest victim in the history of all mankind, right? And as a result, we feel so justified. We feel so righteous in being this angry. And yet James says, no, that is absolutely not true. Listen again to what he says in verse 20. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God what is he saying there? He's saying, "Even though your anger causes you to think that you're the most innocent victim of all at the hands of someone's wrongdoing, thereby making you the most righteous person of all, that is absolutely not true. It's quite the opposite. Your anger reveals that you are no different than the person that you're so angry. That you are just as wicked, that you are just as bad, you're just as wretched, you're just as baneful as this person that you feel is the worst human being of all. And yet the gospel says, no, you're just like them. And given the circumstances and given the misfortunes and given the time that they had to suffer, you would be just like them. Your anger does not make you the most righteous person in the world because you are not the most innocent victim of someone else's wrongdoing. No, that title goes to one person and one person alone, and that's Jesus Christ. When he unjustly suffered God's furious anger for you as your substitute on your behalf, so that if you cling to the promises of the gospel, that is, you believe that Jesus did this because he loved you, and you're willing to accept this love by turning away from your sins and making the Lord of your life, you would be justly forgiven. You would be justly accepted by God as his own child. This is the good news. This is the gospel. Brothers and sisters, we are living in a world filled with so much anger. And you know what anger is like. Whenever you're around an angry person, what does that do to you? Doesn't it make you angry as well? Which means what? Anger behaves like a contagion. It acts like a virus. Right? And what James is trying to tell us is that we need to be serious in stopping this virus, as serious as we are right now in trying to stop this corona virus from spreading across the globe. See, right now, we feel so cut off from everyone and it's making us miserable, and yet we endure it for the sake of others, right? Well, that's exactly what Jesus did for us on the cross. He was ultimately cut off so that you would be spared your life and therefore have eternal life by making sure the spread of God's righteous wrath would not come and envelop you. That is what the Bible teaches us, and that is what you do need to remember. And when you remember those things specifically too that you are a wretched sinner that is no different than the person who you're angry at, and secondly, you're still loved by God to where He's still willing to forgive you, when you remember those two aspects of the gospel, you will overcome the two common reasons as to why anger is such a problem for us. Let me quickly end by explaining this. First, you'll be slow to speak and quick to listen because as a sinner, you understand. You don't always know what the right thing is. Because if you did, you wouldn't be a sinner, right? And so you never walk around thinking that you were a know-it-all because if you were a know-it-all, you wouldn't be the sinner in need of salvation, would you? But secondly, you would also wait on God's vengeance because you recognize if God loves you so much that he's willing to forgive you, doesn't that also mean that God loves you enough that he's ready and willing to get vengeance for you in a right manner? See, when you remember the gospel and when you remember these two things, brothers, sisters, friends, you are set free from anger of ever being a problem. To where the next time you do get angry, it won't be unrighteous, but it will truly be like the anger of your God. Righteous, good, and ultimately for the sake of saving others. Brothers and sisters, this is a time where we need to express this kind of anger and let go of the anger that we tend to have most of our time on this earth. I hope and pray that you will truly take heed to what James is trying to teach us so that we can truly be a blessing to the people around us, thereby minimizing this other deadliest virus known as sinful anger. Amen. At this time, I want to end with a couple of next steps in terms of practical ways in which how you can apply uh, today's message. First is take some time, if you are not a Christian, to really make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life. If today's message compels you to want to make you a follower of Christ, I would ask you to take this time to repent of your sins, commit your life to Jesus as your Savior and as your King. Secondly, take some time this week also to meditate on Psalm 130. The whole psalm, it's very short. But I would ask for you, as you do, to also memorize verses 3 to 4 because it will really put you in your place so that you don't get out of place in your anger. And finally, an, an interesting exercise. Find something to confess to God every night this week. Get into the habit of daily confessing to God, of repenting to God. And as you do, make sure you are reading 1 John chapter 1, verses 8 through 10 and respond prayerfully by thanking God for his wonderful gospel let's now pray for god to bless us lord you know that we are living in a time where anger is just rampant and it is spreading as pervasively as this virus but father we know that we truly have the antidote to that only the church because it is only in the church that we have the power of the gospel. And it is our responsibility as members of this church and churches everywhere to make sure we are spreading this gospel around so that the effects of sin that manifest in problematic anger would be neutralized and banished. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters, especially in moments where they find themselves being so tempted to fly off the handle, whether it be to their spouses, their siblings, their children, their friends, their co-workers, even to random strangers. Father, we pray that we would truly be inoculated against sinful anger with the power and antidote that is known as the gospel. Help us to live this out so that we can truly be your faithful ambassadors. For we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.